This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to Clued In with Lou Carbone, a thought-provoking opportunity to expand your perspectives and advance the impact you can make in the CX, EX, and patient experience space. Lou's undeniable combination of the depth of experience and knowledge in this space is unparalleled. As a driver inside organizations as well as consulting, Lou offers distinctive thought stimulation, is a dedicated mentor and teacher. Hi, welcome to Clued In with Lou Carbone. I'm so happy today uh, to introduce my special guest, someone who I've come to know and feel like I've known for a thousand years in a relatively short time, Sean Nason. Sean is the CEO and founder of Mafi. He's otherwise known as the man on fire. That fire burns within his soul and within his heart to make a difference in the world. And I hope that we can help ignite some of that same passion with you today as we talk with Sean and his dedication to igniting the world, to understanding the power of experiential ecosystems or ecosystems. I don't want to say echo. We want to (laughs) echo the message. Um, Sean has written uh, a book, uh, two books. Kiss Your Dragon and the Power of Yes. He was the CXO at Healthways and was with Humana, has an extensive background in healthcare, which I admire uh, so deeply because of the difference it makes in people's lives. And whenever we get a chance to work in healthcare, I always feel that it is a blessing from God. So I believe that having Sean on the podcast today is a blessing from God for me and hopefully a blessing for you as you look at the world of experience management. Welcome, Sean. Lou, thank you so much. And um, it's an honor um, to be on your podcast um, and to be with one of the founders really on our world around experience management. And uh, so thank you for being here and thank you for being on my podcast um, as well. So exactly. I enjoyed uh, that immensely. Your podcast yes. is great. So, Sean, is um, if we could, uh, first thing I would love to do is telegraph the message from the two books that you wrote. Uh, writing a book is not an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> I finished the last chapter on my book, uh, Flying to Los Angeles, because at that time there was no Internet or anything on board the flight, and I could focus and concentrate and not be bothered. <laughs> and I booked a flight to nowhere, basically, for no reason other than to finish the chapter. So what I would love is that summary of the two books and the message that you could deliver from the two books as we move into our conversation around experiential ecosystems. Yeah, you know, so um, the first book, um, I called that as my prototype. Um, Lou, so you'll appreciate that in the world that we work in. Um, The Power of Yes and Innovation was a book. um, I started blogging um, around my journey um, 
as a chief transformation, um, chief experience officer, um, and chief operating officer at Healthways, as you mentioned. And I had started writing weekly blogs about this journey. Um, and what I was learning, because it was actually my first C-suite role, um, and it was fast, it was moving, and people were, things were happening, and I thought, what the world needs to see is transparency from C-suite leaders. Um, and so I started writing about it, and someone approached me and said, you need to take your blogs and turn them into a book. And so we did. Um, and the reason it's called The Power of Yes is I focused that whole year around saying yes versus no to people. Um, because I believe that C-suites, senior leaders, um, and I just talked about this on a previous podcast um, with a, another colleague of ours where I said, senior leaders and leaders are there for two things, to remove barriers and remove obstacles um, within organizations so the people that really need to do the work can do the work. So that was the whole reason for that book. And I just shared my journey of myself and the CEO that I do a ton of work with, um, his name's Sean Slavinsky, um, and, and kind of what we went through to make this turnaround happen. Um, and then didn't write anything else. Um, and then the pandemic hits. And and much like people like you and I, Lou, I got bored. And I said, we need to write a book. We had been talking about writing a book. I said, let's write a book. So what we had realized and coming, and I have two amazing co-authors, Michael Harper um, and Robin Glasgow, um, is what needed to be told in the world um, is we talk a lot about mindsets, the mindsets you need to have as leaders. But what we don't talk about is our heart sets and, and who we are as people. Um, and as you know, Lou, as the world has seen coming um, through this pandemic and still in the middle of this pandemic is, is purpose in life and this thing called work-life balance is just bullshit. It doesn't, it's, it's not there anymore. You know, um, it's now acceptable if your kid comes in on your Zoom meeting or you don't have to be dressed in a suit and tie anymore. And there's this blend um, and our heart is starting to come out. And so, this whole theme around dragons, um, because the the mythology around dragons is dragons travel in swarms. Um, and swarms are diverse. They look different. They feel different. They're different sizes. They're different colors of dragons. They have different talents. And that's what we need. And that's what experience is. That's what innovation is, is you have to have this diversity of thought or nothing's going to happen. Um, and so that's how that book is. And crazy enough, Lou, um, we're in the middle of starting to write our third book around the experience ecosystems that we hope to have out sometime in 2022 um, around why we need to talk about experience ecosystems and not just CX or PX or employee experience or digital experience, but you have to talk about it from an ecosystem. So that was probably a little bit more than you wanted to know, but that's that's the book. No, that that is so powerful uh, because in, in the very beginning, the the idea of systems thinking versus bolt-on theory uh, is something that 30 years ago, when Stephen Heckel and and I were looking at this space, uh, one of the things that we began to look at was systems thinking, 
And as you both, we both share experiences with Disney. And I honestly believe that at times Disney doesn't even understand the magic or the pixie dust, <laughs> that it is the ecosystem that's been built. And they think that, that it's basically, um, uh, I've actually watched them go out and sell their, their, and then people go, well, we're not in the entertainment business. And it's like, because what we don't understand is that human experience is everything. <laughs> It's every day. It's with yeah. our wives, our children, our, our families, our significant others. Um, when you look at the ecosystem and people understanding is it, uh, that there is an experiential ecosystem, what difficulty is there in terms of having open minds that looked at the world as a set of silos? Yeah, so, and I love that you actually said this, Lou, because I don't think Disney does understand what they have done um, and why in the world they didn't call it an ecosystem going forward. And, you know, when we started talking about this, the fact that we could trademark that concept was mind-boggling to me, honestly. Um, that... By having that system in place, you talked about it, right? Um, and people understanding the common purpose, the common goal, as we call it, you know, an experience promise um, is that explanation of what you want the people in your ecosystem to experience on an emotional level and what you want to do to bring this experience to life, a system. I knew as a Disney cast member, and, and Lou, a lot of people think, oh, and you've heard this, that's just for those people that deal with them up front, right? Yeah. I, I was not an onstage cast member. I was a yeah. backstage cast member. I was a finance person. Yeah. But I was taught the principles of experience and the system of experience and how I had to open my mind up because I think if anything I've learned in my years after leaving Disney is finance people are probably the most closed minded people to experience yes. um, because they, because they think they don't own experience, right? But you do, you do. And you have the power to make some incredible experiences happen. Um, and I said this and I will say it again. I've said it on my podcast and podcast that I'm on when I was a finance person, I remembered every decision that I made at Disney was for a four-year-old princess or a four-year-old pirate. I kept them in my mind. So if we want to talk about it in, you know, marketing terms or marketing yeah. experience, that was my segmentation. That was my demographic, the four-year-old, you know, or the family then when you start right. talking about personas, right? The family that had saved years to come to bring that experience. Precisely. Well, I I owned that experience as a finance person. So when I went into, you know, when I was recruited into healthcare, um, and I saw that healthcare didn't have that same mindset, it kind of blew it blew me away. It shouldn't have surprised me. Um, I grew up um, as a child with my mother very ill most of my life. She died when I was, you know, uh, 28 years old um, or 26 years old. Um, 
and I saw how bad the experience was. I just didn't know what to classify it as then. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so when I went into healthcare, I thought people, this is acceptable to us. This is just acceptable to have a bad experience. Um, and so my last, you know, 10 years or so of my life has been spent around how do we make healthcare a great experience? It, it doesn't mean that it's always pleasant. Healthcare, right. you know, um, and COVID's brought that out. But, you know, no matter what the decision is in healthcare, and I'm very fortunate, um, Lou, I know you sit on some boards. Um, I sit on an advisory board for a pediatric oncology group in Las Vegas called Cure for the Kids. Um, and talk about trying to create a patient experience or a family experience for a two-year-old or an infant or a four-year-old or a teenager who's being diagnosed um, with either a rare disease or with cancer and not knowing what the end result's going to be, but we still try to create an amazing experience for them. Um, that's why you have to keep your mind open um, because yeah. that's what happens. Sean, that sparks two thoughts in my mind. One is, gosh, I wish we could get more finance people as CX professionals. <laughs> and rather than seeing it as measuring the result and looking for the ROI, why not take responsibility for the ROI instead of holding other people accountable for the ROI and being the metric that's used rather than a chief financial officer should literally be responsible for revenue and experiential ecosystems lead to greater revenue, greater resilience in an organization, greater financial rewards. Perhaps, I don't think we've ever really thought about where CCX, MX, ZX, XYZ, where that responsibility. And when, when I first coined the term chief experience officer, when I founded experience engineering, and I think I might have been the very first person in the country, rather than being a CEO, I was the chief experience officer. Um, I really believe that the responsibility resides higher than a department level in an organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, you're preaching to the choir here, Lou. Like, uh, you know, again, I talk about my very dear friend, Sean Slavinsky, who's the CEO, um, has been of, you know, uh, billions of dollars of companies. Um, and I actually just did a video series with him recently. And he said, if as a CEO, experience is not in your top three priorities, you are missing it in the business case, in the business world. Um, and as well, if your chief experience officer is not reporting to the CEO, that says to me where experience lies. <laughs> right? Um, Very and, intriguing. And I agree with you. I wish more finance people – listen, I don't say uh, – I have a finance degree. I have a master's in finance. I don't do innovation. I don't do experience 
just to do it. It has to affect the top line or the bottom line yep. some way or another. Has to. I think we, as people that work in experience, have done an injustice um, to allow, and, and I'm going to go on a pedestal and, and say something out here, allow finance people to tie our hands to for doing what's right for human experiences. But as well, we haven't built strong business cases and talked in the language that a chief financial officer. I have for years tried to figure out, and maybe Lou, this could be a, a project we work on together, to really define what an ROX is, return on experience. Um, because we have, you know, metrics, metrics, metrics are what people focus on. Um, I hate it. I tell people if you focus on the human and quit focusing on the metrics, um, your revenue is going to increase, your net income is going to increase. Um, that's just hard for them to see. Uh, and um, I don't know. Uh, Sean, I, I've I, tried to talk to people about ROS, which I call uh, a return on strategy, and that experience management and an experience ecosystem is an accelerant to achieving a business strategy. Absolutely. And yet Absolutely. people see it as this, let's be less bad than we were. <laughs> let's fix something that's broken. And uh, this question of open-mindedness, um, what success have you had? What is the key that unlocks the code for someone to be more open-minded, and I've been struggling with this for 30 years, so I feel like I'm asking <laughs> an unfair question, um, but I'm still struggling with what is the ultimate key that creates the open-mindedness to embrace the concepts we're talking about today versus where, I'd hate to say, a huge percentage, I can't even, I'm afraid to put a number on it, of the efforts and dollars, of billions of dollars that are being spent uh, in terms of actual dollars going out, valuations of companies, billions of dollars around this space. What is, how do we begin to move people to gaining even greater, what I would call greater value greater value from the world yeah. and the investments that they make. You know, this, this is an interesting one um, to me, Lou. And again, I, I didn't realize how fortunate I was in my career. So, you know, my very first corporate job, and I tell people I've had four or five careers. Um, I was a musician, a pastor. Um, and then, my very first corporate job was with the Walt Disney company where it's the DNA. It's the heart. It's, it's guest experience, 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 exactly. innovation, innovation. Um, and then I was recruited into healthcare, into an organization that was doubling down on that. Um, when I went to work for Humana. And so I had leaders that were invested in that. And then I met, that's where I met my mentor and I've worked with Sean ever since then. Um, so it's hard for me to say to people, what is it going to take? Because I've been around it so much. But when I sit down 
uh, and I really do think this, um, that if, and I just said this on another podcast earlier um, that I have recorded, um, three things, it's three basic principles to get open-mindedness. Um, and it's something that all of us want as humans, Lou. And it's first, know me as a person. Mm-hmm. Know me as a human. That's in any industry. Um, and you've talked about it, you know, um, around the digital space. you got to figure out high tech and high touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he- healthcare, we went to this huge pendulum swing of digital, digital, telehealth, all those things that you talked about earlier, right? You can't take the human out of healthcare. Can't do it. We got to get that right. Um, it's very interesting. Um, you know, just here in 2021 in the fall, for the first time ever, I don't know if you saw, uh, Lou, that CMS is hiring a chief experience officer. <laughs> so obviously now our Medicare and Medicaid organization that governs everything in our country around that, um, they're finally hiring a chief experience officer. So I hope that says something in the healthcare space, right? We want to be known exactly. as humans. Second piece I tell people is surprise me. Um, a very good friend that both of us know too, um, Lou Dan Gingas, talked about creating remarkable experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Surprise me. Give me something. It doesn't have to be this big magic thing and this big leapfrog. Just give me some surprises along the way. Um, but most importantly, make it easy for me. Just make it easy for me. Um, and whatever that is, whatever space, if it's digital, if it's interaction, um, I think for leaders, if you can keep those three things around open-mindedness, yep. right? Yep. Like, um, so think about it. If you're a finance person, if you're a person in marketing, know me, surprise me, make it easy for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so as leaders, that's what you have to do. Um, that's what I live by. That's that's what I teach. Um, and I hope that that people realize it's really not as difficult as we have made it. Um, but again, I put that onus back on those of us that work in the industry. Um, we don't sell ourselves and we don't sell the principles of this um, as well as we should. Uh, absolutely. If, um, you know, in, in some ways, you almost wish that uh, quote CX or anybody with an X behind what they're doing uh, would have the guts to literally resign in an organization where all you're doing is literally triage and repair versus uh, literally standing back and, and saying, what what can I do? How can I create uh, some extraordinary value, if you will? Um, and as we as we look at that space, as we look at that space, how do we begin to um, take away the things that are blocking that? And and I'm beginning to find that I hate to say this, but I think some CX professionals are actually blockades in an organization to advancement of thought within that organization. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you. And 
I hate that I have to agree with you in that statement. Um, but it goes back to, and, and I think, Lou, it goes back to mindsets again and how we were taught. You, you talked about system thinking, right? Um, so I was exposed, studied Six Sigma. Um, then I went and studied something called innovation engineering, much like you do with experience engineering. Um, we have a lot of CX professionals, um, and I actually loosely want to don't even like to use the word professionals. Um, we have a lot of people that work in CX within organizations that have maybe gone to a conference. Um, you know, Disney Institute used to do this massive conference yes. around customer experience, right? Yep. Um, you go to a conference, you come back, and you think you can do it. Um, it's a system. There's foundations that have to be laid. There's systems that have to be put into place. And listen, I am typically not a systems thinker, but I'm a numbers thinker. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference there, right? Yep. Um, but I understand systems and I understand numbers. And if you build the foundations then you can build the rooms and the pillars and everything around it. And there are organizations that hire people that can talk a great language, but can't implement. Um, and I, again, I put the onus on us in this industry. I own it. I know you own it. We have to change that. Um, and it can't just be a one size fits all. Um, you have to understand the industry you work in and you have to build the right foundations so you can move forward. Um, and that's why we focus so deeply here, you know, mostly on experience ecosystems. Right. It is an right. ecosystem. Every company has their own ecosystem. We work to define that within that company and then we work to define the foundations. Um, and then you start to lay the systems. Um, it's that easy to me. Um, but I do agree with you. I agree that we have people who call themselves professionals in this space that should not be calling themselves that. Sean, I, I could talk with you and uh, visit with you for days and still never get tired of exchanging ideas. Um, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I do have two questions that I generally like to finish off the uh, the experience. Uh, awesome. Doing this together. And one is, what is the most memorable experience that you've had? You know, um, I will say this. The most memorable experience um, I've had is I remember the first time um, I went on a Disney cruise. (laughs) I hate to tie it back to Disney. Um, But the first time I walked on the ship, um, Disney Cruise Line has the ability to make everyone feel like a VIP, um, no matter where they're at. Um, so whether if you're in an inside stateroom or you're in the Royal Suite, they do a brilliant job of creating VIP experiences for everybody. And I remember the first time my wife and I um, went on the Disney Wonder and our first cruise together, um, I'll never forget that, um, which is why today I think we've done 20 plus Disney cruises in our life. Wow. So, 
Sean, what is the most moving clue that anyone has ever provided in an experience that you've had? Um, I think it goes back to the very first principle I talked about is know me. Know me. Right. Is know me. Um, we have to know humans and we have to know if it's an employee, it's an associate, uh, a customer. That clue, um, which led me into empathy um, and learning to walk in people's shoes. Um is what changed everything about experience for me. Uh, Sean, I wish you the very, very best. And uh, I want to, uh, I, I have come to know you over recent months and I treasure uh, the time we spend together and hope we can spend a lot more time together going forward. And I am so encouraged uh, by uh, you know, people like yourself and so encouraged by you that I feel have a grasp on understanding that it's systems, it's it's systems thinking. It is financially driven, basically, in terms of the output. And um, in particular, the sense of knowing me. And when you talk about knowing me, it isn't knowing my name. <laughs> it's knowing what my inner needs and soul and heart desire that I don't even know that I desire. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks so very much. And uh, I didn't realize you were a pastor also. So, you know, you can give a special blessing to all our <laughs> listeners. Be yes. well, my friend, and thank you so very much for your time, your wisdom, your passion, and your friendship. You too, Lou. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Clued In with Lou Carbone. If the advancement of the practice of experience management's financial and emotional impact drives you, please reach out to Lou on LinkedIn or visit experienceengineering.com or email us at info at expeng.com. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.